As we prepare to hear this scripture out of 1 Timothy, it's why I asked you the mentor question at the beginning of worship. Paul was Timothy's mentor. Timothy then turned after receiving so much good education and experience from Paul that he was able to turn and mentor so many others, build them up in faith. But look at these words that Paul writes to his young protege and see if there might be things we might learn from this. Stacy. 1 Timothy verse 4. I mean 1 Timothy 4 verse 4 through 15. For everything created by God is good, and nothing is to be rejected, provided it is received with thanksgiving, for it is sanctified by God's word and by prayer. If you put these instructions before the brothers and sisters, you will be a good servant of Christ Jesus, nourished on the words of faith and of the sound teaching that you have followed. Have nothing to do with profane myths and wives' tales. Train yourself in godliness, for while physical training is of some value, godliness is valuable in every way, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. The saying is sure and worthy of full acceptance. For to this end we toil and struggle, because we have our hopes set on the living God, who is the Savior of all people, especially of those who believe. These are the things you must insist on and teach. Let no one despise your youth, but set the believers an example in speech and conduct, in love, in faith, in purity. Until I arrive, give attention to the public reading of Scripture, to exhorting, to teaching. Do not neglect the gift that is in you, which was given to you through prophecy with the laying on of hands by the council of elders. Put these things into practice. Devote yourself to them so that all may see your progress. Holy wisdom, holy word. Be to God. And now as we turn our attention toward the gospel, what you'll find here is the kind of culmination. This is in the midst of the Sermon on the Mount, the culmination of Jesus' teaching. But hear these words as Stacy reads them, and as you are able, please stand for the reading of the gospel. Matthew seven twenty four through 29. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and acts on them will be like a wise man who built his house on rock. The rain fell, the woods came, the, wind, the, <laughs> the rains fell, the woods flew. You're good. I'm good. Keep it going. <laughs> floods. Pray again. The floods came. And the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall, because it had been founded on rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain fell, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell, and great was its fall. Now when Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as having authority and not as their scribes. This is the word of God. Thanks be to God. So as I said, today we examine essential number 
8 in our search of what creates a vibrant and healthy church, and this one deals with incremental opportunities for spiritual growth. Now, you've already answered a number of questions, even some tricky ones, but let me take those questions just a little bit deeper. I've already asked you how many wise men there were, and you out. Right? We don't know because we don't know. It doesn't say. It talks about gifts. It talks about those things. So, but here's a couple other questions for you. Who was the young queen that saved her people from annihilation? Good job. Good job. Good job. Next one. How about who was the king of Israel that preceded David? Oh, I am so impressed. Here's the, uh, the last one for this part. Who was the first disciple called by Jesus? Trick question. Like for service, silence falls over the room. It totally depends on the gospel you are reading. It's interesting, isn't it? These are the trivial questions. These are the questions of trivia that we think now kind of secures our place in knowledge and understanding of faith, and yet they really are not. We have to go much deeper. So we have to go back. I want to take one step back on, again, what is the purpose of the church? I have to tell you that it was um, Will at first service, one of our youth, who defined it perfectly, as this is the place where we seek to worship God, go deeper in our faith, and take actions as a result of that faith. Perfect answer. His parents were sitting right there at first service, and you should have just seen them glowing. It was, it was great. And that is the right answer. But to get there, we have to come to terms with kind of where we are in our own faith, our own understanding of what our needs may be or our experiences or where we may even sit in the midst of all of this thing that we call church. To get there this morning, I want to go back to Jesus and the way that he taught And even the recognition of who it was that was kind of following him around through this time. And it's fairly easy to place those folks into five distinctive categories. As I talk about each of those categories, see if you can figure out where you are in the midst of all that. So you ready? Because I'm going to ask you later to write it down and turn it in. Yes, I am. Those five included, first... The observers. The observers were just there for kind of the show. In other words, they just came to watch. Some were curious, but intentionally, continually keeping their distance so as not to engage a whole lot deeper than just observing. I just want to see what's going on. Maybe that's where you are. The second is the crowd. The crowd were those who came, and those are the ones who, even on the Sermon on the Mount, came and just sat down and we're continually seeking to hear that teaching come back to them. And we're trying to take it in. But they weren't necessarily those followers, those that continually came to him. They were, to some extent, those that just kind of showed up, sat, knew he was coming. And only when he was close by would they come and listen. Maybe you're there. The third group are the followers. Those that no matter where he went, followed, knowing that that it was in that consistency of following that they knew that they could go deeper. They were much more deeply engaged in his messages, even to some extent the actions that he was asking them to take. Fourth group, 
called disciples, those that Jesus personally called into this relationship. And those were the 12. And in one case, then that expanded to 120. But those folks to whom they knew that this was the answer, and they were willing to give their lives for the continuation of this work. Maybe you're there. Then there were the disciples, the chosen ones. Then, even smaller than that, those closest three, those that Jesus trusted in such a way that he could bounce things around with them or share his own needs. Do you remember who those three were? Peter, James, and John. Those three that were in the garden that night when he was really struggling. So as you think about where you may be, are you an observer? Just standing back. Are you a member of the crowd who who will come at your convenience to listen and deepen? Are you one of the followers who want to continually go deeper? Are you one of the called disciples where you're willing to take this in and then take it to the next level? Continue this work on into the future? Or are you even one chosen as one of the three that are so significant and have such a deep relationship that you are seeing yourself as leading the church into the future? What's interesting, though, in the way that Jesus taught, and this was part of the genius of the one that that we seek to follow, Jesus knew without question that he could engage even an observer in such a way that they would move maybe into the crowd or teach in such a way that a member of the crowd could move deeper and become a follower or even identify those among the followers that could go deeper even than that and they would become a disciple and then carefully, very carefully looked at those and chose those with whom he was going to share some of the more intimate levels of leadership. Essential number eight says this. It deals with incremental opportunities for spiritual growth, opportunities in the church for people to move ever deeper into their understanding and their commitment, and in so doing, grow closer to Christ. But you know what? Here's the danger in most churches. And again, you know, been around the block, seen churches both as a pastor and as a layperson in 57 years. I believe what what part of the problem that is leading the mainline churches to decline is this, deals with this essential. For if churches don't have a plan around providing incremental growth or incremental opportunities for spiritual growth, those that want to go deeper will disengage. If there isn't something for them, they will disengage and they will go find some place where they can find meat that will allow them to go as deep as they want to go. But the opposite is also true. If churches aren't engaging in a way that allows people kind of incrementally to step into a church, no matter where they are in their faith, you know what will happen? They will also leave and go to a church where they can step in in a a much more basic way and then move through an ever-deepening process. But here's the other danger, is that so many churches just kind of guess well, I think this is maybe the kind of class that, that we need to offer at this church. And so they'll offer one or two or three classes that may engage some, but certainly not everyone. And again, even in those places, what will invariably happen is those that want to go deeper may be touched by that certain class, 
but many will not. Now it's confession time. What I want to share with you is, is that after the Vision Task Force meeting last Wednesday night, I came home and, as I said at first service, pulled an all-nighter. What we were talking about in the Vision Task Force meeting last Wednesday night was the role of the pastor in the midst of Aldersgate. What's been the history? What are the expectations? And, and what the approach might be in a variety of different ways. It was stunning. It was even a little bit painful at times. But it, it did something within me that made me recognize where I have failed in some ways. And you're getting to know me well enough after a year now that if I fail something, I'm going to come and tell you. And I want to tell you. Three places. First, I came into this church believing that Aldersgate was a fairly typical United Methodist church. You are not. You've heard me talk about that over this past year, that you really are not a typical United Methodist church. I have never seen a church so engaged in the community and have never seen a church that wants to go as deep into faith as many of you do. That's why this, this essential is so important. So I've shifted my thinking, even as of last Wednesday night, that now I'm, I'm going to push hard on this essential that we go deeper, recognizing the strength in you, the incredible opportunities we have as a church to go deeper, if, as you'll hear in a minute, we do it incrementally and recognize some of the needs around us. Second, I've spent a lot of time over the last year looking at the church corporately and brought that as a message to you, that looking at the, thing, the things that we need to come to terms with as a full church, the failure comes in, in talking to you more specifically about what we need to do as individuals to deepen our own faith. That changes today. Third, leadership. I made a commitment a long time ago, probably 21 years ago, and again, coming out of a professional kind of a consulting role of Part of my job in that was to sit back and just listen and try and create models for communities that would help engage them in deeper ways. And I've tried to do that here at Aldersgate. And I've done it. But what, what I'm now finding is there is this anxiety around this that what you want now is to go, let's go. Let's, let's get going. Let's do something. And so what you're going to hear from here on is a whole lot more around leadership and where I believe God is specifically calling us to head where we are being called to go as disciples of Jesus Christ and as a community of faith in the midst of South Bellevue and this whole region. Those things are shifting now, all three of those. And again, in the next four weeks, you're going to hear some very significant things around that beginning today. I will now tell you that a few years back, you know, I had the privilege of working with Rick Warren, who is the, the, the pastor at Saddleback, uh, Saddleback Church in Southern California, and Rick and I did some consulting work together. Saddleback is the largest church in the United States. There's a reason that it's the largest church in the United States, and it's not because of their theology. It's because of what Rick sought to set up in the midst of that church that filled needs tremendously uh, throughout not only Southern California, but now throughout the world. One of the things that Saddleback brings to the table is an understanding of how to do exactly what it is that I'm talking about this morning. 
We used Saddleback in the research project and talked to Rick specifically about how and why that church grew so, so large and what they do to continue to deepen people of faith, even in the midst of the fact that they have 127,000 members. 127,000 members. Well, you know what it is? Is they had a plan. From the get-go, as Rick prayed about starting this church a number of years ago, had a plan. That there, there are ways in which you must engage people as soon as they walk into a church that allows them to come wherever they are and experience what they need at that point. Initially, Rick used a kind of a baseball field where you had first base, second base, third base, and then they found out that there are implications around dating that they didn't want to use there. Thank you for understanding that. So they changed it. And what they did is instead began to look at coursework. In other words, they have courses divided into five categories. 101, 201, 301, 401, and 501. 101 deals very specifically with the basics of faith. What is prayer? What is scripture? What's the Bible? The kinds of questions that that I asked you at the beginning, uh, at the children's moments, and then even now. Why do we need to know that stuff? What is it that Saddleback brings? What is the church about? Those are all things at 101. At 201, they engage much more deeply around what does it mean to be Christian? Who is this Jesus person? How does Jesus now relate to us today? And they, they go that way. 301 then is about gifts assessment. Now that you've heard all this, what, what do we do with that? And what is the mission that you bring that God is calling you specifically to take into the world? So it's about mission and outreach based on gifts. And then specific outreach opportunities at the 401 level and the 501 level has to do with leadership. Believing that you need to go through all four of these before you really recognize that you might be being called to be a leader in the church. So then in the midst of that, began to look at us. What are we offering right now in that 101 category? Are we providing people basics for understanding what it means to be a person of faith? Do we really understand prayer or Bible or any of those things? Or at 201, looking more specifically at Christian faith and Christianity and what does it mean to be followers of Jesus Christ? And 301, about what it means to be gifted recognizing that every single one of us has been given gifts for the work of God in the world. And then 401, what are we doing in providing for everyone to be involved in mission and outreach, from the smallest child to the oldest adult and everyone in between? And finally, at the 501 level, what are we doing to create opportunities for leadership, equipping, training, empowering, identifying leaders in the church. And I will tell you, what you're going to see come September is a whole lot more around those kinds of things. I'm going to spend the summer kind of looking at this. Why do that? Because you know what? In this church, and this is where I ask you to identify, in this church right now we have observers, folks who are just sitting on the edges, wondering what it might take to move to that next space. We need to provide those opportunities to move. We have the crowd. 
those who come on Sunday morning because that's where they are filled and that's the, the depth of engagement that they want to take on. And you need to hear me say at both of these levels, there is absolutely nothing wrong with that. It may be just where you are and what you need. But how are we then allowing people to move from the crowd into becoming followers? Those more deeply engaged. And what are those places where we might become more deeply engaged? And then what are we doing to take it even deeper than that, to move from being followers to disciples? What kind of discipleship are we offering? And then, where are the opportunities to move deeper into leadership? And what does that mean? So what I'm asking of you, and I I was going to hand out cards, and I didn't do that first service, I'm not going to do it second service. This Tuesday night, we have our first Committee on Lay Leadership meeting. That was supposed to go out in the email, and now I've just heard as a first service that many didn't get that. The Committee on Lay Leadership is examining everything that I just talked about. But what we need is information from you. And what I'm asking of you today is to take a 3 by 5 card or something and fill it out and drop it in my box to say, here's my name, I'm an observer. This is what my hopes are in my relationship with the church. This is where I'm willing to be at this point in my spiritual life. It was interesting after first service how many people came up and self-identified before, before second service. Or I, I'm comfortable coming on Sunday morning and just kind of being a part of the crowd. That's where my comfort is right now. But maybe I'd like to go deeper. Or right now I'm feeling like I really am a follower, one who wants to go deeper but not sure how, and so help me understand how I can go deeper. Or, you know, where I am is I really do feel like a disciple. I know that I'm called. I know that I'm called. And this is what it feels like to me. But here's what I might need to go even deeper in that. Or I'm feeling called to go even deeper in leadership. I'm willing to engage at that level to look at the future of Aldersgate United Methodist Church. And I feel called to that. The danger on that one, the danger on that one is we don't feel worthy all too often. Don't feel worthy to engage in that way. I want to give you permission to feel worthy. But what I need to know is where do you sit right now in the midst of those five areas? And what do you think for you might be something we could offer to move you deeper from observer to crowd to follower to disciple to leader? My hope and prayer is that this is making tons of sense to you. I believe that until we do that kind of work, we will continue to remain somewhat static. It is intentionality that will move us toward deeper growth. And so I want to just commit that to you. That's where I'm headed, at least in what we're offering the folks who come here. So with that in mind, will you pray with me? God, we are a church that is so wanting to do the right thing, so wanting to reach out into the community and wanting to become that which you have called us to become. Help us to understand our place in the midst of this sequence at this point. And maybe more importantly, help each one of us 
begin to discern what it might take to move us deeper into our lives of faith. Help us as a church develop incremental opportunities, places of entree, places of deepening, places of growth, places of training, incremental opportunities for spiritual growth as we look ahead into the future. Finally, help each one of us know without question kind of where we are today and what it will take to move to the next step. Guide us in this time. All this we ask in Christ's name. Amen.